Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and glad you're spending some time with us and getting your jazz sustenance in this manner. And uh, I'll start right off with a plea for uh, sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor the Jazz Focus, there's probably a button on your uh, screen somewhere. I don't know if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or our home, Anchor.fm, but uh, please consider sponsoring us sponsoring us on a one-time basis or uh, as a continuing sponsor. We are looking for new members of the family all the time. And what we do is we tend to focus on a very a small element of jazz recorded history on each program. Sometimes it can be an artist or a band or a song or a theme. Any, Any type of thing is open for negotiation here. And today we're going to be listening to the pretty much the complete recorded output of a band that uh did most of its work in St. Louis in the middle 1920s. This was a band that may have begun in Alabama, uh, Mobile, Alabama, and then moved to New Orleans and played a bit there, actually made two recordings in New Orleans during one of the um, field uh, recording trips uh, by uh, one of the various recording companies in the 1920s. And then this band moved to St. Louis, where it became resident at the Arcadia Ballroom. And Uh, The Arcadia Ballroom was one of the big ballrooms in St. Louis during the 1920s. It hosted many bands. Uh, At this point, which was 1924-25, they were using smaller groups, but the bands got bigger as the uh, need for volume and sound got bigger. If you go online and look up the Arcadia Ballroom, it was a very opulent, large ballroom uh, in the 1920s style with uh, a huge dance floor, a big bandstand on one side, and... um, side uh, rooms going up each side of the ballroom with tables and so forth. Must have been quite a place to go at the time. So the band we're going to talk about here today came to be known as the Arcadian Serenaders. Uh, While it was in New Orleans, and possibly while it was in Alabama, it was known as the original Crescent City Jazzers. Of course, Crescent City was New Orleans. And uh, apparently it was founded by an Alabama native, a cornet player named Sterling Bose, otherwise known as Bozo. Uh, Bose was a really uh, interesting and well-traveled jazz musician in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. He was born uh, in the early 1900s in Florence, uh, Alabama, and he started playing early. We don't know too much about his early life, but he found his way to New Orleans as a fairly young man, uh, presumably with this group or with some of the members of this group. He, as I said, made a couple of recordings in 1924, on St. Patrick's Day 1924, March 17th, uh, under the title of the original Crescent City Jazzers, and they recorded two tunes, Sensation, Rag, and Christine. And uh, I played those on uh, an earlier podcast uh, where we talked about uh, one of the New Orleans recording trips from 1924, and you can go take a listen to those. The band returned, or didn't return, it moved to St. Louis after that and recorded a further 14 sides, and we're going to listen to those today. For some reason, on the first recording session in St. Louis, Sterling Bowes was not there. He was not the most dependable person. He never lasted too long in any band, but his playing was of such a high quality that he seemed always to have work. He uh, played uh, during the 1920s. When he uh, left this group, he went with uh, Gene Goldkett's band. He actually replaced Bix Beiderbeck. Uh, He played with Ben Pollock's band. He uh, ended up in the 1930s playing with a whole catalog of big bands, from Joe Hames and Tommy Dorsey to Benny Goodman, the first Glenn Miller band, uh, Bob Crosby, uh, Bob Zerke, all sorts of groups. And he ended up playing at uh, Jimmy Ryan's and Nick's in the 1940s doing traditional jazz, New Orleans, Dixieland. More on the Chicago style. 
And at some point, we're going to do a, uh, a podcast of sterling bows from the 1930s and 40s as well. And then he moved to Florida after that. I think it was Pensacola. And uh, in the in 1950s, I think about 1958, ill health sort of overtook him, and he committed suicide at about uh, that point. He had been playing right along, though. He didn't make any recordings, as far as we know, in the 1950s. So the band we're going to hear, beginning uh, on uh, November 29th of 1924, recording in St. Louis, the Arcadian Serenaders, without Sterling Bowes. In this case, he is replaced by another New Orleans uh, player, Wingy Manone, Joseph Manone, born in 1900, known as Wingy because he lost an arm in a streetcar accident. I think it was a right arm. He played left-handed. And... Uh, he didn't let that slow him down. He became quite a busy musician in New Orleans. He also made some recordings in those early days and those field units coming out from Brunswick and Victor and so forth. Uh, and then he found his way to Chicago and then New York and became uh, a fairly marketable jazz star. He was an entertainer. He was a singer, a very funny guy. He was a uh, second banana on the Bing Crosby radio show in the 1940s for a while and uh, had a number of hit recordings all along the way. And he lived into the 1980s. He was still playing pretty well at the end of his life. Uh, in, in his 80s. So he will be playing cornet on the first uh, four sides we're going to hear, and with him is, are several New Orleans players. Avery Leposer on trombone, Cliff Holman, I believe was a New Orleans native, on clarinet and alto sax, Eddie Powers, I'm not sure if he was from New Orleans or not, he played tenor sax, uh, definitely New Orleans native Johnny Riddick played piano. He uh, went back to New Orleans and made recordings in the 1940s and 50s. Slim Leftwich on banjo and Felix Guarino on drums. And as I said, these were made uh, in St. Louis November 29, 1924. And with the exception of Sterling Bowes instead of... Um, Manone, they had recorded about uh, seven months, eight months earlier in New Orleans, exactly the same band. So the tunes that we're going to hear are the Sansu Strut, which uh, on this CD issue is uh, credited to Guarino, the drummer, Felix Guarino, but I believe it was a Wing Manone tune. It certainly was credited to him later in life. Then a uh, combination of uh, Jeff Riddick and Cliff Holman put together Who Can Your Regular Be Blues, which is a blues in some ways and uh, somewhat of a takeoff on the old New Orleans uh, sort of country tune, My Bucket's Got a Hole in It. And then a pop tune by Ford and Ward called Bobbed Haired Bobby. And then Fidgety Feet, the uh, original Dixieland Jazz Band tune that was originally called War Cloud because it was uh, almost released during World War I, right at the very, very end of World War I, but the War Clouds parted, and so cooler heads prevailed, and it was called Fidgety Feet, and it has been known as that ever since. So this is the Arcadian Serenaders doing those four tunes. Sansu Strut, Who Can Your Regular Be Blues, Bobbed Haired Bobby, and Fidgety Feet. Thank you. 
your regular beat. If you ain't got yourself nobody, spin your rose on me. I woke up this morning, blues all round my bed. I woke up this morning, blues all round my bed. I never had myself nobody to rub my aching head.
a good example of uh, the fire that a player like Wee Manone could bring to a band. He was a, a very good lead player in a traditional jazz setting. As I said, he was born in New Orleans in 1900. He came up listening to some of the great uh, players in that style. He and Louis Armstrong were almost contemporaries, so I don't know if he really heard him all that much. Uh, he, his style probably had a little more to do with uh, Louis' influences. People like King Oliver, certainly, and also Freddie Keppard. And uh, Wingy uh, played a lot of the King Oliver, that driving, punchy style. And we heard that on the four tunes that we just listened to uh, by the Arcadian Serenaders. Also some very, very good uh, New Orleans-style clarinet from Cliff Holman, who I think may have been a New Orleans native, I'm not sure about that. And some outstanding piano playing by Johnny Riddick, who, as I said, uh, made quite a few recordings in his career. So we heard Sansu Strut, followed by Who Can Your Regular Be Blues, which featured a Wingy Minone vocal. Bobbed-haired Bobby, which uh, I believe had a vocal by Avery Leposer. Actually, I take that back. It was not uh, Leposer on that one. He sings on a later title. The singer in this case was a fellow named Chick Harvey, who was a bass player and uh, singer for the band that appeared opposite the Arcadian Serenaders at the Arcadia Ballroom, a band called the Arcadia Peacock Orchestra. And that was a group that was a little bit larger than uh, the band we're hearing on these recordings, probably had a little more organization in the sense of playing arrangements. I think they played more stock arrangements. There was only one player who made a made a name in jazz uh, from that band. His name was Bob Pope, and uh, from this band he went on to play with the Coon Sanders Band in Kansas City, was a, was a featured member of that group, and we'll be doing a podcast uh, on that band coming up. That was a really fantastic band from the 1920s. Uh, and then he went on to make a series of recordings, I think, in the 1930s under his own name. But other than that, no known jazz stars, but just a, a good, solid musical group, and uh, they made quite a few recordings as well. So after uh, Bob Haired Bobby, we ended up with Fidgety Feet, as I said, one of the jazz anthems of the original Dixieland Jazz Band, and some very good solos in there, and a uh, good sense of that New Orleans style of ensemble playing. So by the next recording date, which was in November of 1924, Sterling Bowes had made his way back to the bandstand and the recording studio as well. Uh, he 
as I said, had done a, a, an apprenticeship in New Orleans. He was born in Alabama, but he played a little bit more of, I guess I'd have to call it a refined style. And by the time of these recordings, he had been exposed to a certain degree to the playing of Big Spiderbeck uh, from the recordings that he had made with the Wolverines, I'm sure, uh, and the fact that that band was pretty popular in the Midwest touring around. I don't think they ever played at the Arcadia, but Bix did play there with a band uh, that it was led by Frank Trumbauer a couple years later in uh, late 1920 and early 1926, uh, this band with Trumbauer and Bix Beiderbeck, uh, that was one of the Gene Goldkett bands, uh, appeared opposite the Arcadian Serenaders, and uh, there was a sort of a free exchange of musicians and ideas between the two. And some people have speculated that perhaps Frank Trumbauer sat in on one of these recordings. I don't think that was the case, but uh, we will hear. Uh, the singer for that band, that uh, or, or actually the singer for the Arcadia Peacock Band, uh, we already heard uh, Chick Harvey, we're going to hear another singer coming up, uh, but uh, they did trade repertoire and ideas, and Sterling Bowes especially was influenced by the playing of Beiderbeck. He started playing in a much more angular style, a much more... Um, sort of architectural style, I guess I'd have to say, and apparently impressed people uh, with that ability because when uh, Bix left the Goldcat Band shortly thereafter, uh, Sterling Bowes went on the road with them as his replacement. And then later on, of course, he uh, went to New York and played with many, many other bands as we were talking about earlier. So the four tunes we're going to hear feature Sterling Bowes on cornet and pretty much the same band. Avery LaPoser on trombone, Cliff Holman on clarinet and alto sax. We'll hear some alto playing because uh, some of these are a little bit more dance-oriented than the first tunes with uh, William and Owen. Eddie Powers on tenor, Johnny Riddick on piano. Instead of Slim Leftwich, we have Bob Marvin on banjo, and then Felix Guarino on drums. And as I said, these were made in uh, October of 1925, and uh, they uh, must have had a very efficient recording date, or the, uh, the details were fudged a little bit. There are eight tunes here, and judging by the uh, matrix numbers, they were all recorded consecutively, but having an eight-tune recording date would be pretty remarkable uh, at that point. So it may have been put back to back or something. It may have been a couple of dates, but apparently it's the same band. So the first four tunes we're going to hear are a mixture of pops and a jazz tune. The first one is a Con Conrad tune called The Coed. Then we're going to hear Back Home in Illinois, which uh, has a little bit of banjo work for Bob Marvin. And the singer on that one is Marty Livingston, who, as I said, was singing with the Arcadia Peacock Orchestra. And uh, he uh, will also be singing on the next tune, which is You Gotta Know How, a tune by Walter Donaldson. And then we're going to finish that set up with a tune by the trombone player, uh, Avery LaPoser, called Carry It On Down, and that features some fine trombone playing, as you might expect. So those are our four tunes, The Co-Ed Back Home in Illinois, You Gotta Know How, and Carry It On Down.
Four more sides by the Arcadian Serenaders. So, we started out with the Coed, a Con uh, Conrad tune, and I'd mentioned the Bix Beiderbecke influence, and right off the bat, we have what sounds like a takeoff on the introduction to the uh, recording that Bix did of Davenport Blues. So, uh, sounds like they were listening to that, because it uh, led into the Coed. Then we heard Back Home in Illinois, very good banjo solo, along with uh, a vocal, as I said, by Marty Livingston. Also, Marty Livingston on the next one, You Gotta Know How, the Walter Donaldson tune, and a very effective saxophone solo. It sounded like an alto, could have been a C melody, I suppose. It was a little bit darker sound. Um, we're told that there was a tenor sax player on these recordings. He didn't have a lot to do. Uh, there don't seem to be many solos in there. Uh, he might be humming along in the background. Uh, he was a little bit better featured on the New Orleans recordings. I think he was with the band at this time, but his presence is, is not felt on these recordings. And then we finished up with Carry It On Down by trombonist uh, Avery Leposer, a uh, blues with a couple of different strains to it, and kind of a neatly constructed tune. Again, another fine clarinet solo by Cliff Holman, and some excellent cornet work by Sterling Bowes. So we have four more tunes to do on this uh, particular band, and that's all they recorded. After that, as I said, Bose went on the road with uh, the Gene Goldkett band, and I guess the band kind of broke up. Most of these musicians did not record again. Uh, Jeff Ritt or Johnny Riddick was an, uh, an exception to that, the piano player. He uh, ended up in New York, I think, in the 1930s. He recorded with some of his New Orleans homeboys, like uh, Wingy Manone and Louis Prima as well. Uh, and uh, there was also a Jeff Riddick who... Uh, recorded later on. He was a younger man. I don't think he was his son. I believe he was a younger brother of Johnny Riddick. And he played and recorded frequently with people like Sharky Bonanno and uh, Pete Fountain in his early days and uh, people like that. So in the in the kind of first burst of the New Orleans jazz revival in the 1950s, even the late 40s. So the four tunes we're going to finish off this tribute to, to the Arcadian Serenaders with are Yes Sir Boss, uh, another tune by Johnny Riddick, and uh, also uh, by a, uh, another composer, Eddie Ward, who played piano with the Arcadia Peacock Orchestra. And so this is a, a jazz tune by the two of them. Uh, car uh, excuse me, Yes Sir Boss. From that point, we're going to go to the standard original Dixieland One Step by the original Dixieland Jazz Band, uh, introducing that tease and rag. They had to put that on the label because when the original Dixieland Jazz Band sort of crafted that tune out of other components. They used the trio section uh, from a tune by Joe Jordan called That Tease and Rag and didn't give him credit, and they ended up being sued for that. Uh, they re-recorded the tune under the title The Weber Rag with a different trio, but that wasn't as popular, so they had to go back to the original and, I guess, pay Joe Jordan his, uh, his money to, uh, to maintain that section of the song. Then we're going to hear a pop tune uh, called Just a Little Bit Bad, and then we're going to finish up with the classic... Uh, I call it a Chicago tune, but it was done by some New Orleans composers, the tune Angry. And this had been recorded by the uh, New Orleans Rhythm Kings in 1922. It was composed by Dud Meekham, who was a Chicago fellow, Jules Cassard, and uh, one of the Brunies. I think it was George Brunies, uh, uh, or it might have actually been Merritt Brunies, because Merritt Brunies and his band recorded this tune a couple of times, but George Brunies did as well. So Meekham, Cassard, and Brunies ha are responsible for Angry. So those are our four tunes for our final set, rounding out the complete recordings of the Arcadian Serenaders. We have Yes Sir Boss, the original Dixieland One Step, Just a Little Bit Bad, which also features a vocal by Marty Livingston I didn't mention, and we'll end up with Angry.
it, I don't mean anything wrong. A little loving now and then, though I shouldn't, still who wouldn't? A wee little kiss means oceans of bliss when you've been good for so long. Oh, isn't it a shame and a crime? I feel like making up for lost time. I'm like a bird in the cage that's been there for an age, trying to break out. I don't know which way to turn, but I am willing to learn what it's all about. I've tried so hard to be good, was misunderstood. I'm almost tempted to fall. I'm gonna ride out on that, I'm just a little bit bad, that's all.
So there we have the Arcadian Serenaders, featuring Sterling Bowes, and also, for the first four tunes, Wingy Manon. Some very good playing by some unknown musicians, or lesser-known musicians, like Cliff Holman on clarinet and Johnny Riddick on piano. We also heard some very uh, fancy banjo playing on that last one by uh, Bob Marvin behind uh, the trombone of Avery LaPoser. So this was a band that was doing good work in St. Louis, 1924, 1925, into 1926, I guess. Uh, and this was uh, a group that uh, was popular with the dancers. It was there at that ballroom, the Arcadia, for so long. And as I said, they picked up a lot of things from the uh, Frank Trumbauer Big Spiderbeck group, which also picked up a little bit from them as well. That was, I believe, a gold kit group. I had said that earlier, but it was uh, under the direction of Frank Trumbauer. It had Pee Wee Russell in it on clarinet and Vernon Brown for a little while, the trombone player who uh, later went on to play with Benny Goodman and other people and uh, some other players too. And when that band kind of re-coalesced as the, as the Gold Kid band, I think uh, Bose took the place of, of, of Bix in the uh, Arcadian band and then eventually followed uh, into the Gold Kid band proper as well. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. This is some little-known, little-heard music these days, but some very good playing, 1920s jazz playing by a uh, very good, if under uh, underappreciated, white jazz band from St. Louis, the Arcadian Serenaders. So I hope you'll be joining us again to go, come up on some of these programs that we have uh, planned for uh, the Jazz Focus. Again, we are on Anchor.fm. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple, and a number of other platforms. If you'd like to be our sponsor, please do so. Love to have you. Until we hear from you and you hear from us again, I'll see you on the other side.